Megadad's Checkpoint is a mature-rated podcast for mega-parents, giga-parents, or the dreaded terra-parent. And this episode of Megadad's Checkpoint is brought to you by Calibri, arguably the best hummingbird-based shooter for the 32X. If you know, you know. It's Megadad's Checkpoint, the monthly podcast where we check in with both the Megadads and the world of gaming at large. And just, we see who's who's around, you know? We're just kind of shouting into the abyss that is the internet and seeing who shouts back. It got really dark at the end of that, but that's, you know... I, I've been sick for the last month, so, you know, frankly, it, it's a miracle I'm even here. And there's going to be a lot of editing out coughing on this show. So I just, you know, if it takes a little longer to get out, that's why. Because cause I'm, a, I'm a sick mess. Um, also sick mess, but in the 90s Tony Hawk style sick mess, I've got uh, brand new Mega Dad Rob. How's it going, sir? Going pretty good. How about you? I'm all right. I'm all right. Other than the coughing, which I talked about here. you, you are, th- are you the newest one or are you the second newest one? Uh, probably actually newest, I would say. Let's okay. go with newest. Let's go with newest. That, I mean, that's fine. You're you're the best because you're here today. So that's the only important thing. Uh, and as part of Megadeth's Checkpoint larger Adopt a Streamer program, we once again bring on uh, a man that likes likes to play video games in front of people, like some sort of pervert, like some sort of pervert. <laughs> that is, uh, we've got the great Mike D on the show. How's it going, sir? Not too bad. How about how are you going besides the, uh, or doing rather, besides the sickness? I, I are going well. <laughs> I are going well. And I, I, I feel in the, in the need for full disclosure, because this is a show based in honesty, Mike and I are long friends. Uh, we used to do a podcast together about video games. So I'm, I'm going to do my best to keep the in-jokes to a minimum. But if, if, if we both start laughing about something and it makes no sense to anyone, just assume that that's what it is and not that we're just stupid. You know what? It wouldn't be a good podcast if the host didn't have like a, a repertoire of inside jokes going on that literally nobody else in the audience understands. So It's nice if, if someone else if someone else know at least one other person knows it, it helps, but I, I do see your point, I guess. Yeah. And we'll talk about both Rob and Mike's uh, larger doings uh, later in the show because we have a very important first question or big question, as you may or may not know. We try to try to ask a question of all the guests as kind of a get to know you kind of thing, but also to set up the show that you were about to listen to. And uh, I think this week, looking at the outline, we're going to be talking a lot about old games and, and you know, retro gaming and things like that. And so I wanted to ask you all, what was the last game that you had to convince someone else actually existed? Like, you remember it, you played it, but you're telling someone about it, and they have no recollection of it. They look at you like you got three heads, and and you, you end up having to go to the internet and being like, yes, this is a real thing, and and then you look amazing uh, and, and well-versed in the world. And we'll, we're going to start with Rob on this one. Uh... Actually, it was like a Tetris Street Fighter game. Uh, what's the? I always forget the name of it. Was it Puzzle Fighter? 
There we go. Puzzle Fighter. I tried to convince somebody that there was a a, a Tetris-like Street Fighter game, and they did not believe me for the longest until, like, one day we went to a convention together, and they was like, what is this game? I was like, this is the game I was talking about. It was, uh, it was, it was Puzzle Fighters. <laughs> so it had, like, uh, not only did it have Street Fighter characters, it also had... Um, I think it's Dark Stalkers, if I'm not mistaken. That sounds right. Yeah, because it was Capcom. Yeah, it was, it was their other fighting game. So it had some of those characters in it too, as well, like Morgan and um, was the vampire guy named uh, I think Damien. That's that sounds right. Or Dimitri. That that's what Dimitri. It was. Dimitri. Yes. Yes. You're yes. Right. There okay. it is. So yeah, it had some of those characters okay. in it. So yeah, that was a game I had to convince. They they did not believe me. A Tetris Street Fighter exists. There needs to be more of these hybrid games. You know what I mean? Like you know the 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 the, the puzzle fighters, or you know you're playing one game and playing another game at the same time. Like I I, I think there needs to be more of this. Mike, what about you? Uh, so I actually had somebody do it to me uh, recently. Um, so I was I had uh, a couple of weeks ago I had streamed the uh, Pretty Soldier Sailor Moon arcade game, which is basically another like Final Fight clone and whatnot. And when I was talking with somebody else about it, and they're like, "Oh, you you mean the uh, you mean the fighting game?" And I'm like, "There was never a Sailor Moon fighting game." Um, so it turns out there was a Sailor Moon fighting game. Um, I'm trying to remember what system it is. It's uh, Super Nintendo, or I should say Super Fiacom, because um, it was it, yeah, it was never uh, Famicom or whatever. Yeah, um, never released in the U.S. But this person, like after some time of this discussion, was like, "No, no, no, it exists." So I had to go find it and go play it, and I found an English patch of it. So. Was it any good? Being f- I mean, it's all right. Um, there's the the kind of the homebrew patches of it make it a lot better. The story of the game uh, is that it's you basically are are all the Sailor Corps are fighting amongst each other because they've all decided Sailor Moon sucks as a leader. <laughs> so they're trying to like beat each other up to decide who's the who could who should take over the leader leadership. <laughs> it's, it's Tumblr the fighting game basically. <laughs> But the the homebrewed edits of it add in like all these other characters to kind of make it make more sense than just I don't know we're just gonna beat the shit out of each other until we uh, decide who the leader is. <laughs> there was such a boom in fighter games, and I think it's funny that both of you picked essentially fighter games. There was such a boom in that era, like after Street Fighter Two just really kind of you know exploded. There were so many of these fighting games that came out, and actually, I'm thinking about this. One of the games that I had uh, that I had a similar situation for was a game called Time Killers, which may or may, people may or may not remember, but it was it was in it was roughly the same time as like Street Fighter Two and Mortal Kombat and all those, but it was one of those like hyper violent games. And I, I don't know if they ever did a console release because I only ever saw it in the arcades. Uh, which did help to the, this is one of those mythical games that you know no one's ever actually seen. But the big thing was, it was a game where you could chop limbs off of people. And then they, but they would be able to continue to fight. So it would, like, you cut a guy's arm off and they can no longer punch with that arm. You know, so it became, it became you know, eventually like two, you know, the two black knight situation for Monty Python, where it's just, it's just basically torsos flopping at each other. It's just a flesh wound. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it, it's, but it is one of those games where it, I, because I don't think I ever got a console release and I'll have to look it up, 
But yeah, I remember multiple people because there was one we had an Aladdin's castle uh, in, in near my hometown growing up, and it, and I don't know what their deal was, but they had all the weird um, fighting games, and and that, it could have been just because that was just what was hot at the time. But I remember this place especially because I'm old enough to remember when there were multiple arcades in town, you know, or at least within a, a short drive of wherever you lived. Uh, so I was able to, you know, compare and contrast. And this one particular one had had quite a few fighting games. And I remember Time Killers was one that was very popular just because, you know, you could be a punk and, you know, like like a classic 80s British punk guy with a chainsaw and just cutting legs off people. And, you know, when you're 12, that's exciting. Um, so if you want, by the way, to get the history of it here, they, they actually did port it to the Genesis in 96. But it uh, at the time... Uh, the gra- the graphics on a- on arcade games during that era were always superior to the home releases, and so it sold very poorly uh, because the the graphics and gameplay were rather inferior to the arcade. And I don't, I don't remember its graphics being that good for arcade either. Like it was it was fairly cartoony, and and you know when you when you're up against Mortal Kombat, and I think Killer Instinct was right around that same time too. Uh, so there's a little more graphic intensive games that seemed a little silly but again chainsaws no legs what else do you need but apparently it's you need better graphics but there's i I think apparently that was that was what was holding it back you know that that's why we remember games uh like now i'm drawing a blank on it but the one where it was like uh monkeys fighting each other primal rage that was the name of it that wasn't just monkeys well, it was like all sorts of like dinosaurs and King Kong, I guess, or the yeah representation of King Kong. Yeah, I know, I know what game you're talking about. But you know, that's how we remember games like this and not Time Killers, just those superior graphics. Wasn't Primal Rage like? Wasn't it like Claymation? No, no, that was that was Clay no, no, no. Fighter, but, but, like, there but there was, that a was clay fight. Yeah, there was there a was Clay a, Fighters there, game. There was a couple <laughs> Clay Fighters. There was a couple Clay Fighters. But no, I I seem to remember like Primal Rage. It was I think it was supposed to be stop motion though. But it was like it was like but it was digitized stop motion. Yeah. So like it wasn't like the you know proper rendered well, I shouldn't say proper rendered graphics but it was it was different. 90s were wild. I think that's the they, the, they the real the 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 that's the real moral of this story is that that there was some weird crap going on and it was all major companies cuz no one could be an indie developer back then and actually get anywhere. The era of every movie had a video game and there was a fighting game for everything. I think there was a, even a fighting game for, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Fist of the North Star, which is actually I think is pretty cool. I mean that makes sense. Although although you should be able to like hit someone and then they die like ten minutes later. <laughs> like if they want to make an authentic Fist of the North Star game, it's like oh it's like oh no you're you've you've been dead for for a half hour already. It's just you didn't know it, and then they just explode and and you know there's sixteen gallons of blood everywhere. Now, now, if you really want to get your crossover of those two genres of fighting games and movie-related releases, we could always talk about the Street Fighter, the movie, the arcade game. Let's not. <laughs> that exists. I, I, I think. I think. I think. I, I think that uh, is a thing. <laughs> oh, I'm sure it's a thing, but let's. I, I think I, there are some things that need to be memory hold, and I think that's. I think that's fine on that one. I don't think I, I, you know. Granted, if you're listening and you ha- you're a huge fan of that specific iteration of Street Fighter, you know, let us know. I, I think that would be I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on that. But uh, 
Um, yeah, there was, there is, I've re- actually just recently rewatched the Street Fighter movie. Um, and, uh, there's very little to endorse that movie. It's, it's, uh, it's not, and, and this is, I mean, I would, I would definitely put the Mario Brothers movie over the Street Fighter movie. So, I mean, that, that whole exchange between Chun-Li and M. Bison, though, the whole, for me, it was Tuesday. It was like probably like the highlight of that movie and the rest oh, of it's sure. just forgettable garbage. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, Raul Julia, Raul Ju- I mean, for his last major role in a movie, and he was just like, I, I don't care. Like, I, it, you know, the nice thing, I mean, the sad thing about about Raul Julia dying when he did and, and, and the attitude that he had for that movie it was like he would have been the next Michael Caine, I think, where it's just like he's just doing movies because they entertain him, and and he just wouldn't care. And I think there would have been a lot of fun there. But uh, mm-hmm. alas, alas, we only got the one. But All right, we could keep going down this rabbit hole for hours, <laughs> but we've got important things to do. We're going to talk about what we've been playing. And uh, looking at this list, we've all been very busy little beavers as far as games are concerned. Rob, I'm going to have you go first again, just just because I, I know you're I know you're going to be doing stuff that you're going to be writing about in the near future. So I am actually. Uh, so what this month? What I've been playing? Uh, I've been kind of really keeping it low key with video games. Like I haven't been trying to venture out too much. I've actually been revisiting games. So um, mainly been playing uh, Street Fighter Five. And uh, a little bit of Guilty Gear Strive. Those have been like the two main games I've really been like diving into. And then um, I've recently reinstalled um, um, uh, Jedi uh, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Uh, I've got mm. the PS5 version for it, so I've been playing that and just kind of just indulging in that. Like I've already beaten the game, but like just kind of replaying it in like like 60 frames per second has been kind of nuts. I'm like, man, this game, I forget how like beautiful this game is. So like, I've been kind of doing a deep dive into that game and just enjoying it. So that's kind of been, been what I've been playing. Do the enhanced graphics make that whole boulder puzzle any easier? (laughs) No, it doesn't. (laughs) So before we talk about Fallen Order, which is, is on my list of of games I want to check out. And and sadly, like I, I'm very ambivalent when it comes to the star Wars games. Like I, I can take or leave them. Like, I think I played the first, um, oh, what was the one with Star Killer? Um, Ooh, uh, oh, Force Unleashed. Yeah, Force Unleashed. Yes, I played. I played that one. Enjoyed it, but like I, I, I haven't gotten to play. You know, gotten around to playing like Battlegrounds or, or, or um, oh, what's the what's the flying one? Why can't I think of it? Squadron. Uh, Squadron. I was like, I was like, fleet. No, that's not right. I knew it was a word. I knew it was a word for a lot of ships. But Fallen Order was always interesting to me because of uh, a, a song in the game that got me interested in that there was a song that was done by a band called the who and not the who that you're thinking of um but it's the hu uh they're a mongolian band and uh, they did us they were brought in by lucasarts to do a song uh in the language of the game like one of the languages of the game and and they kind of merged it with Mongolian and and it's it's a it's a beautiful song and I, I remember I've been a fan of the band for a while and I saw that they were doing that I'm like okay maybe I can check out that game you know I definitely definitely see what that's like I'm also I'm very curious about Guilty Gear Strive because it is a game that I wish I was good enough to play fighting games because it's gorgeous 
And it's like, I, like, I want to be able to play this game, but not look like a complete numpty. Uh, Guilty Gear Strive, the barrier the barrier of entry is actually not that terrible. I This is my very first Guilty Gear game ever. And so I know they have uh, several other games uh pre prior to this one but this one the barrier of entry is actually pretty pretty easy uh they make the gatling system which is the combo system they make it very easy and then they just recently added in like a, a combo maker into the game so if you wanted to like actually like learn some bread and butter combos that you can probably try against you know somebody else or their computer uh you can actually sit and learn those combos and kind of get 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 some good reps in if, if that's what you want to do um but they have a really good training mode in the game where it actually like breaks down like the fundamentals of the game and like actually teaches you the game um i compete for guilty gear strive so um i revisit that often like i, I go through it often mm. to make sure i know what i'm doing and like i understand the game and like how the mechanics work and you know when mm. to use the mechanics and when not to use the mechanics so I think it's I think it's uh the barrier of entry has actually been pretty easy, I feel like. Um it's not like crazy difficult like the other games. I've seen the other games. Their other games are extremely difficult to kinda get into. You have to already been playing the prior games to get you know, get used to the, the new ones that they put out. But this one they was like, Yeah, we want this one to be accessible, so Yeah, I, I just see clips of it on, on the internet and I'm like, This is this is ridiculous ridiculous like it's, like it's like, a gorgeous yeah, yeah. game like I, I i i at this point i've been married long enough where i know what my my wife will kind of be like like i, I will you know call her in from like this is awesome and, and it, it's clearly not to anyone but me this is that's that's like the one game where i can i can be like check this thing out and she will be like yeah that that's actually kind of cool um so it wins the the uh disinterested wife award i guess would be the way to put it i don't know if they're gonna put that on the cover but uh they, they, might, they might i don't know gotta reach out to arc systems <laughs> on that one yeah <laughs> we'll see although and and rob I, I trust your judgment but at the same time as soon as you said i compete all of your opinions about the accessibility go away. As far as I'm like, comes like, because the people that are competitive fighting game players, they're they're another species as far as I'm concerned. So oh, I I can hundred percent agree with you on that one. Like all the doing the deep dives into the frame data and all that stuff, it becomes a whole yeah. different like because a whole different thing. It's it becomes a, a study at after the point like you know you just play exactly. the game get used to it, and then after that, it's like, okay, how can I break the game now? Mike, what about you? What have you been doing? I know, and I know that you've been doing a lot of uh, retro streaming on that, yeah. but you, you're actually playing so, some, some modern games as well. Yeah, that's the funny thing, is because I, I had somebody in one of my streams like a month ago, they're like, so do you play anything that's come out in the last 10 years? And I'm like, actually, that's most of what I play off stream, <laughs> is thing uh, stuff like that. So I've had a, another streamer friend really got me into Dead by Daylight, uh so we we did a, a co-stream of it once and uh i was kind of like tinkering with it before and uh i started playing it and i'm like actually not half bad at that game because i've watched so many other people play it on on twitch that i'm just like all right i know what to do and what not to do in this game now having touched it for two minutes previously <laughs> So I know enough about to get uh, get through that. I've also been uh, diving into Cyberpunk 2077, and um, 
I've played enough Bethesda games to know to never buy anything at launch and wait a good year or something after the game. So everybody else's hatred for Cyberpunk, uh, I don't get because I, I waited for them to figure it out. <laughs> so, um, and then I've been playing a lot of like Pokemon Arceus because it's the Pokemon game that I've wanted forever. Uh, I, I've wanted that open world experience where there's like a proper story and it's not just like, oh, well, you're a 14 year old kid just fighting for all the badges. And it's like, all right, I get it. That's the story in every game. This this is a, a whole different bag of worms. And uh, there's this whole story going on in these these whole like I, I can go open world and, and fight, you know, different uh, Pokemon or not have to fight them at all. Uh a whole plethora of different ways to go catch them. Um, and it's just, I would really like it if they would uh, take one of the, the regular series games and be like, let's set that in an open world instead of the more linear setting that all the, um, I can't remember what the name of the, the newer releases are coming out, but like your traditional Pokemon games are all very linear. I would like them to be like, Hey, we can play open world this now because RCS was so good. And then I've been streaming, uh, I've been doing a whole playthrough of Grim Fandango on stream. So that's my my one old game that I'll, I'll throw in there. <laughs> I love that game. <laughs> I want to talk about Arceus a little bit because I, I'm I'm of an age where I, I just missed the whole Pokemon stuff. Like I was just old enough by the time that it hit that I wasn't interested in it. And so it, it's a, I don't have the, this kind of nostalgia that a lot of people do for it, but at the same time, like I, I hear, I hear people talk about like the open world and all of this stuff, and and it could be just the the cynicism in me, but how open it is Arceus compared? Because when I think of those the other games, and and, and all of those kind of JRPG kind of games that came out uh, that have been coming out for the last thirty years, like it feels like there's there's a very subtle difference. Like, like at some point, something isn't as open as, as you, as it appears. It is as linear as it is. It just lets you walk more places, I guess. Is, is it truly an open world? Can, or is it more of like, cause I, I think of, I think of the Pokemon games, they're linear in the sense that like Metroid is linear where it's like, you need to go, you know, to place a, to learn skill one so that you can get into place B and so on. And, or you need to get to go to the certain gym or whatever like that. Is it, am I completely out of line on this or is, is like, how does, how does this work? I would say yes and no. I mean, there, there's certain areas and certain things that unlock as you go through the story in this game. Um, like you can't wander into every area from the beginning, but, you know, there's just something to be said with that with a lot of other games that are more traditionally open world, like any of the Grand Theft Auto games, there's whole parts of the map that are not available until you reach a certain point in the story. Mm -hmm. um, there's These are kind of more in, in chunks with it, but what it allows you to do is go back into previous areas. Uh, they have different types of Pokemon there. There might be some alphas back there that you're like, hey, I'm not level high enough to fight that alpha yet to capture it, but I'm going to come back to it. Um, there's still this this stupid Snorlax that I keep trying to fight that's like near the very beginning. You shouldn't fight a Snorlax. Uh, that I, 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 I want badly because he's an alpha Snorlax. Um, that just, that just so seems he's, mean. He seems very wide awake for a Snorlax. 
Snorlax, Snorlax is just chilling, and uh, this is this is also my problem with Pokemon. Is that there's so many Pokemon <laughs> that seem to not be interested in this whole social construct of fighting monsters. Like the Snorlax, he's just he's just a dude hanging out. Like like just leave, yeah, leave not, him alone. Not the selfie, dude. He, he seems pretty. He seems pretty angry. He's on his own little island. And he, he's just pissed off he and big. He shouldn't be a Snorlax then. He's he's. They should kick him out of the club. <laughs> I don't know if it works. I've never quite watched. Like that. I've never watched Pokemon. I don't know how these things work. Are they, yeah, they're not clubs. They're not like gangs. I, I just assume all Pokemon is like the warriors, which like everyone's in gangs, and that the gang is <laughs> uh, uh, that shows you how you have to dress and like what weird uh, aspect you have. Is that not? Is that not the case? Are they not? I mean, besides Team Rocket, no. <laughs> But Team Rocket are people. They're not Pokemon, aren't they? No, but the, well, they got the Meowth that runs around with them all the time. That talks. Don't even get me started. Don't, don't even get me started on that. <laughs> Pokemon makes no sense unless you pay attention to it, which is granted is true a lot about a lot of anime and just a lot of shows in general. But to say, but, yeah. But uh, but yes, it's one of those words. Like I enjoy. I don't want to say I enjoy not knowing about Pokemon, but I enjoy knowing just enough where I can get upset about it. Because I'm a creature of the internet, I guess, would be the best way to put that. Um, that that's fair. Yeah. yeah. I do I do have multiple Pokemon board games, but I've never played any of the video games, so I don't know, I don't know where that puts me exactly. Um, I do know for me, as somebody who did get into the Pokemon games from the get-go is that there got to be a certain point where I stopped being able to memorize all of these. So it's like, if I haven't touched a Pokemon game for quite some time and I pick up Arceus and I'm like, who the hell is this now? Anything past Mewtwo is like, this is fan fiction. I don't, I don't count this. There's 151 Pokemon and that's it. No, there's like 800 and something nope, now. All fan like, fiction. What? All fan fiction. <laughs> After the next game, all they're going to be into the thousands yeah, pretty like, much. Yeah, dang. Yeah, they, they just showed, showed the new ones uh, for the new games coming out. Scarlet and Violet, yep. Yeah, Scarlet and Violet. So I've already decided who my first starter will be when I pick those up. So I haven't bought a Pokemon game since Sword and Shield. I meant to pick up the Aloha ones and uh, never... Yeah, never got to those ones. But I know... I think there is Aloha versions... In Arceus, because I know you can get shinies, um, but there's like the even rarer thing is finding an Aloha version of the Pokemon, and it's just an alternate version of it. Just, just call everyone those brother. Of you not familiar with those, and they just they, they just look a little more tropical. Oh. You know, like the whatever the one that's like the big plant that walks. There's around. There's like seventy like that just... are the big plant. <laughs> Executor. Yeah, that's the one I was thinking of. Um, he just looks a little more tropical. Same with like uh like the Pidgeotto or any of those. I mean, again, we, we, we could we could we could talk about this for quite a while, but uh, again, we have we have things to do. <laughs> I don't want this to be a four hour podcast. This isn't Red Letter Media, uh, although although I'd kill for their numbers. So what can I say? I've also been hitting the the backlog a bit. I, I've it's sad. I've been so sick, and has so has my entire family that. I've gotten more gaming in lately because everyone is so tired and we can't do anything or go out. 
So, so I've been able to kind of pound through a bunch of my backlog stuff. Uh, it, yeah, in the last month, I've I've played through to completion Control, which came out uh, a couple years ago. Uh, it was kind of the hot thing for like a month. It's a very interesting game. If you haven't played it or you're unfamiliar with it, uh, it's by the Alan Wake people. And it's set in that world, although it doesn't become explicitly in that world until you get to the DLC. Like, there's kind of little hints in the main game, but once you get into the DLC, uh, it's much more explicit. Um, and it's making me want to replay the, the Alan Wake games. I never got that, too, that deep into them, uh, but I, I always enjoyed them. I thought they were remastering the uh, Alan Wake games. Yes, yes. And I may, mm-hmm. I may use that opportunity to, to rebuy them. Because uh, I think I had the first one on Xbox 360, so, so yeah, <laughs> it's, it's it's been a while. Um, it's been and, a hot minute, and 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 I have a much better TV now, so that's uh, I can actually appreciate that. But and I also played through to completion, uh, South Park uh, fractured uh, the the fractured but whole, and I'm not a huge fan of South Park. Uh, I watched I I was into it for like the first season or two, and then just drifted away wasn't any sort of specific hatred of it i unabashedly love the two south park rpgs because they are done like they are a kind of satire that is so hard to pull off in games and like we there's so many of these games that have come out like the duke nukems have tried this and there have been other versions of this where they try to satirize gaming and it just never works because I think the writing, there isn't the writing pedigree in video games for for that kind of comedy, uh, which we're getting better. I mean, we're seeing that with um, with the Borderlands series. I th- we, you see that a bit more, and there's some other things, but 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 South Park games are so specifically gaming satire, uh, and it's like if you know the references, if you know the little, you know the weird parts about playing those kind of RPGs, like why certain things do, you know, why items work in a particular way or whatever. Uh, they're genius. And, and there's a level of detail in the presentation that I want in every role-playing game that I play. Like there are, you know, in, in, in the fractured, but whole there's, I think including the DLCs, you're talking, I think I want to say like close to 12 or 15 different party members you can have. And they've all got custom lines for every combination. And I think that's awesome. I, th- I think I th- that really adds to my interest and it gives me, it gives me a reason to, ex- to explore different combinations beyond just what's the most effective. Uh, and, and, you know, just little things, you know, just like just little gimmicks. And, and, and I think it also works with those South Park games because they, they, both of those games are about the the kids pretending to be something. Yeah, uh, in this in this one, it's more the the superhero Marvel things. And there's things that they do that don't make any sense. Like there, there's a there's a mechanic where uh, the one of the the bad guys will block off areas with red Legos, and it is it's it's treated as lava, and you cannot if you walk into it, you burst into flames. And it's like, that makes zero sense, but it's because it's a gamey thing. They can play that and, and have the characters believe that, yes, you burst into flames if you walk across the red Legos. And I just, I, I really, it, it works for me. And I, I can't really explain it beyond that. 
Um, uh, so I went through that, and then I, I just started a Griftlands, which is a, another game uh, by a company called Clie, which is a, or Clay. I'm probably pronouncing it wrong. Um, but they did Mark of the Ninja. They did, um, oh, God, not Machete. What was it called? They've done a bunch of, like, side-scrolling games uh, with this very specific art style. And Grifflands is kind of their version of a sci-fi Slay the Spire, if you're familiar with that game at all. Uh, so it's a card battler, and it's you're building decks of cards. And this one's interesting if for no other reason than... Uh, you've actually got two different decks. One, if you are... Because it's played like a role-playing game. So you, you've got a character, you're moving, and you're going from encounter to encounter. Uh, but encounters will give you the option a lot of times to either try to talk your way out of it or fight. And you have different decks for each activity. And so you can kind of build the different decks in different ways. So And, and each, of the, each of the kinds of decks also can be spun in different ways too. So if you want to be like more of an intimidating talker, but like a uh more like an agility fighter like you can do that or you can be more of a smooth talker but you know a heavy hitter you know like there, there's kind of uh, a lot of variety that you can play with there but it's 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 a great game i'm still kind of picking at it because there's a lot to unlock um but uh it, clear is one of those companies that i will buy anything they put out ever and they're, they're kind of like um um oh my god why, why can't I think of the name of the company? The company that did Hades. Supergiant. Supergiant is the game. It's the company. Okay. There we go. Yeah, like Supergiant and Clea, they're like companies I will just automatically buy whatever. Um, so, so just, yeah, just pounding through the backlog. It's been great. And for people that listened to last, week, uh, last month's show, uh, I did pick up Monster Prom on the Switch. Uh, we had uh, Tom T on uh the show last month and we talked a lot about monster prom and i picked it up and it's a lot of fun um i've unlocked three of the and uh, secret endings at this point it, everything we talked about on the show was 100 percent true so i can back up everything that they said if, if for some reason you didn't trust them i don't know why you wouldn't because they're lovely but you know uh if you didn't believe me in this case they have our entire crew playing that game now to the point where there's been so many like multi streams of playing it that we're just continuously planning more of them. The problem is, is when we play it, it becomes a four hour game because we choose to voice act all the characters. See, that surprises me because like the game, like I, I, I get that. I get that you want to voice act the characters, but it's not like granted. It could be just the way I'm playing it. Cause I'm playing it single player and you know, by myself, there's not that much to say, like, like there, there, I mean, there, there's obviously a lot of dialogue. That's the whole game, but I, I don't know how you can stretch that that far. But granted, if you're playing multiple players, I can see. I mean, it would take four times as long if you're playing four players. So I get that. We've got th things to talk about and not a whole lot of time to do it. I want to give Rob an, an opportunity. I keep giving Rob the first step, the, the first, uh, the first turn on this, but we're we're trying to break him in because again, he's the new guy. So we're 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 gonna we're gonna give him as much opportunities to either shine or embarrass himself. Either's fine with me, honestly. I'm good either way. I'm along for the ride. So, uh, you, you, yeah, you wanted to talk about free to play. Yeah, stuff. I did actually because this is a topic I because uh, I too as well stream as well. So this is disclaimer. But um, no, uh, it was like a topic that was brought up to me um, while I was streaming because I usually stream um, fighting games for the most part, Guilty Gear or Street Fighter. Uh, and they, a lot of people were kind of 
bringing up the topic of free to play games and and that and the fighting game genre model, and that got me thinking, like you know, that's a game that's that's a genre that has some free to play fighting games, but hasn't really been successful with those free to play fighting games because either they're like limit how much you can actually do in those games like they'll just give you like an arcade mode and like training mode and that's like literally it like you don't get the online to play against other people to you know show off your showcase what you've learned and stuff like that and um it got me thinking like what other like game genres can like really benefit from the free-to-play model because like i do know like especially with fighting games like that price point sometimes is a barrier of like that's a barrier of entry and a lot of people, you know, they're, they're reluctant to get into a fighting game because, for one, it's usually going to be like 50 to $60. And then on top of that, you have to learn how to play the game. So, you know, I was thinking, like, you know, what if they put out, like, a game like Street Fighter free to play, you know, coming with that type of quality and, you know, how it will work? Like, because I do know um, typical free to play model is, like, they, they, they really go heavy on the microtransactions. And so... Mm-hmm. I'm like, how can they do that without being like incredibly invasive? And then it got me thinking, like, let's go back to the what what has previously been out. Like, I know, for example, like um, there was like the Dead or Alive game, even though that was like very invasive. But to tweak it, they could just make it to where, you know, you get a base roster of like five to six characters. And then as they release characters, you can pay money to unlock them. And then, you know, give everybody costumes. Everybody everybody like likes looking different colors and stuff like that. Like, they, they like that. I don't know what it is about it. I, I don't mind. Like, if you give me, like, six colors, I'm okay. Like, I'm cool with that. But, um... <laughs> Seven too much. <laughs> like, yeah, that's, that's the line. That's where I draw the line. Yeah. Yeah, I thought of, like, some other game genres that could really benefit off of, like, the free-to-play model and, like, it got me thinking of like you know board games that like have been changed to like video games so like games like Munchkin, Monopoly, those type of games. Like granted, it's Hasbro's and you know they want to make money, but I feel like you know if you add in like because they have so many different Monopolies, you know you have Monopoly Star Wars, Monopoly this, Monopoly that. So I feel like they can really like benefit off of that free-to-play model if they, if they did like a like i'm thinking about the different kinds of monopolies specifically like if they did something almost like the uh uh i think it was pinball fx where okay. it was where you bought the base game and it came with like two tables and and they would you know you could they would release more tables throughout you know the life of the game and and you know you could buy them and i think they were at very various prices and things like that do you think there would be a market for for like you know it comes with like the base monopoly and I don't know, um, the cheaters monopoly. I, I'm trying to think of the different monopoly types. Um, uh, and the speed dice monopoly. I do know there that's a thing. Um, I think they could really benefit like not just monopoly, but like I'm thinking like like other party like board party games like Uno or like Life and stuff like that. Like like because I know that like my group of friends that's like something we we really enjoy doing. And it being in the video game, it, it makes it even easier and accessible for us to do that. So I, I feel like that'll get a lot more people to, you know, download those games and play them. And then, you know, if you really like them, they have other versions. Of like, Because I know there's like several different versions of Uno that you can get that are like really fun to play. And um, 
I just thought thought that because like if you think about like like the other free to play games like Fortnite and all those games, I hate that I have to mention that one, but they <laughs> they do really well. And like, granted, they just push mainly microtransactions, but it offers so much more. You get you get a complete game, you get like a couple other building modes and stuff like that and just different game modes you can try out with a game so I just I don't know I feel like for like the future like like how how well can like a, a like a party game or a fighting game do with the free to play genre if they just you know go heavy on the microtransactions well not too heavy but like like if they just go deep enough to where it's like like the consumer is okay with making these purchases because they know they're going to get, you know, that time out of that game or what they purchase like mm-hmm. for that game. So sure. Mike thoughts. So uh, I did actually, so, you know, you're talking a lot about, about board games in, into video games here. And uh, with, as far as free to play is concerned. And the first one that comes to mind is magic, the gathering arena. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if either of you have gotten a chance to play that at all. But you can actually get through that game and not spend a dime. Um, it like they release codes every uh, like every release they release new codes where you can get you know more packs. Uh, you can grind your way through playing it enough to where you can get the packs. It'll just be a lot slower than it is buying them, but you can play the whole Magic: The Gathering experience besides a kind of a weird version of of EDH um, that they call Brawl in that game. Um, but uh, other than that, yeah, it's like you get the whole experience of playing Magic, like all the different modes, including, you know, the ones where it's like multiple people playing at once. Uh, and you can theoretically not spend anything. But if you want to add in some weird skins or pets or play mats or little icons, you can pay for those or you can pay to get decks at a lot quicker of a rate, which allows you to build more powerful decks to play against each other. So like when you're when you're talking about, you know, having it to where you're not beating somebody over the head with microtransactions, but enticing them enough to want to spend money, that's the first one that comes to mind for me. I was gonna say that I think the most recent Yu-Gi-Oh game kinda kinda, I'd say kinda very loosely. They kinda do it, but they're they're pretty I don't know what it is about Konami. They're very invasive when they come there free to play games. They're like, yeah, no, spend this money. Well, it's because Konami makes its money off pachinko machines. Gotcha. They're, they're much more of a we're going to hit you in the gambling gland a lot harder, you know, than than I think some companies do. I think Rob, it's interesting that you brought up Fortnite because, and yes, I'm going to say that you brought it up. So don't think I'm going to edit it out um, <laughs> to pr- to protect your your reputation. I think I think Fortnite and I have I have not played Fortnite, but I know people that do and that love it, and I have no I have no ill will toward that game whatsoever. And what is interesting about Fortnite to me is not the microtransactions so much in in terms of how much money they bring in and and, and all that, um, but it's more the season pass kind of stuff. And I think you're seeing more and more of that. And and, and when I say season pass, I, I think about it in the terms of Fortnite, where it's not just you're not just prepaying for all the DLC ahead of time, like with like a Assassin's Creed or one of these kind of games. With this Fortnite, you not only do you have the content, but you also have like regular challenges and regular you know you know different things like that that give you reasons to play on a regular basis as opposed to just you know I'm prepaying for whatever. And I and I think that that is where 
And I think in general, that's where the microtransaction world is going. I mean, I don't think we're ever going to get rid of microtransactions, you know, the little cosmetics and things like that. I mean, just because companies, they're not going to get rid of, they're not going to forsake that money if they think they can make it like, like that's not, that's never going to happen. Um, but I would be very curious, and you talked about fighter game, fighting games and things like that. I think I think there is, I think there is a lot to learn in terms of the free to play model from Fortnite, in terms of how they they dole out content, how they how they purchase or you know how they they structure the, the financing and all of that stuff. And I'm not saying they're perfect or anything like that. There, you know, there's there's definitely a predatory aspect to it. But I mean, at at some point, you know, at what point is it predatory, and at what point is it just capitalist? Um, but again, I, I will take my my Che Guevara T-shirt off for a second before we go down that route. I, I'm 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 with you on. I, I mean, I would love to see more free-to-play games, um, but I think the problem is there's so. I think from the company's perspective, and we've seen all of these games, or you know, games as a service, kind of is is a similar kind of model. And the problem is, is that unless a the game is really good. Uh, on its own, and B, that the company is willing to to support it long term. You, it's it's just kind of like the the problem is is that there's this. I think there's an expectation on the part of the companies that these free to play games, they're looking at them like Fortnite. They're looking at them like Candy Crush. They're looking at them as these huge money makers, and it takes a lot of work <laughs> to do that. It, it I mean, there's a re- Fortnite being as successful was is such a fluke. Because for so long that was this that was the second tier game of that style because it was always PUBG before that and then and then Fortnite went free to play and they 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 and they just caught and you know they, they caught it at the right time and the problem is you know we we've had this with like the Avengers game we've had this with um, uh, Anthem to a, to a lesser degree like we've had these attempts to make these games of services. Or these these more free to play kind of things, and it just it it's so hard to pull. Uh, what was the Amazon the free world or new world? New world. New world. Same thing. Let's not talk about that. Game. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like like it's so hard to do, and and I I would much rather I I think it's I think I hadn't thought about like I'd thought about the fighting game things like before because I think there's also there has to be a competitive element to to keep people in and and with free to play like there's always going to be that pay to win aspect of it i don't care how balanced your game is how uh how mindful you are of that there's always going to be that element of pay to win because there has to be to support the game you have to have, you have to give people reasons and and again i i keep i hate having to keep saying this but like this, this is another rabbit hole we could really go down when you talk about like whales and all that stuff um, and, and and how that behavior affects game development, things like that. But um, the board game is an interesting thing, and I hadn't honestly thought of that. But I th- I, th- I think that I, I I I wonder what you could do. I wonder if those board game free to play things are un- like a, that bridge between the more casual, you know, Candy Crush players or, or those kinds of things and the more hardcore people if you, if you did it right. Like, I think Magic may be too geeky and I think Uno might be too mainstream. Like, I think there's... I'm trying to think of what would work in between those two. Um, I don't know if there's multiple versions of Catan that oh yeah, might be the bridge between there's, them. There's, there's, <laughs> oh, yeah, there's... Yeah, especially now that, you know, 
that's owned by a different company. So it's like that we're going to have Harry Potter, Catan, and all that stuff. But uh, I, I mean, I, th- I think there's some some possible growth there. I'm, I'm, but smarter people than me will have to actually come up with it. I'm just I'm just here to say stupid things into a microphone. Mike, we've talked about you are a retro streamer, and this sort of blends into what yep. we were already talking about because so many, mm-hmm. you know, as hard as it is to start a free-to-play franchise or or you know, games of service, whatever, it's a hundred percent or a hundred times harder if it's a new franchise. So I could see them yeah. doing more retro games and bringing that back. And th- there have been some attempts. I remember when they tried to bring back Dungeon Keeper as a uh, as a free to play game, and that was a that was a nightmare, um, <laughs> and not in a good way. Um, so I, I think I think I think this is where you can come in. This this is where we're ne- yeah. we need the Mike D experience and, and on this, the expertise. As far as doing a kind of free to play model when it comes to older games, oof, I don't know because that's a that's a hot topic. That one of those things you ask in the retro community, and they've got a million reasons why they say retro games are better than than modern games. And two of the things that they'll always cite is that we don't have the load times that newer games have, and we don't have to worry about buying ten thousand little items for. Um, for our things in the game uh you play Mega Man. what you see is what you get you don't have to buy different uh you know his different abilities you just get those by fighting the characters so it's like i see the advantage of it uh and and roughly like weirdly enough the topic i'll bring up will will be another thing about accessibility to to games but i think there's something there when you talk about older games and finding a way to do a free to play model where it's not as toxic as, as I've seen some things, but enough to entice you to buy, I guess I don't really, I'm not sure how you do that when it comes to retro games. Cause you're talking about, you know, maybe giving skins to a character, uh, like take something like Sonic and you could unlock all the different characters that are in that universe, I guess, uh, new levels, new abilities uh i i don't know it, it's a it's a fine line because like i said that's a uh that's a thing that in the retro community that they don't want to have happen what i have seen though that's coming up lately is you have a lot of these temps of these uh almost service mo- like or subscription model services in like these these arcade platforms um, mm, yeah. so there's the, I don't know if you're familiar with it, like the II arcade, uh, ones, but there's also a bunch of other ones. Uh, I did a, uh, I did an alpha test for one. Um, I can't remember the name of the company now. I want to say retrocade, uh, they're in the process of developing this, but basically you, you get the subscription, uh, or not even the subscription. I think retrocade was, here's the base. We're going to give you like two or three games to it. Now, anything else you want beyond that, um, We'll let you buy those games in that service. Uh, we'll also, if you go to the premium model, you'll be able to do other things like multiplayer with friends and in-game voice chat and all this other nonsense uh, because those kind of need server costs and all that. So I get why they'd have that subscription model there. But I, I guess maybe that's the way kind of going back to your pinball FX uh, example is probably the only way I think it gets a, you get away with that mm-hmm. in, in retro gaming. I also think 
the the whole Game Pass model is is interesting, especially when you're talking about retro games. And and again, this is another thing that has been tried a few times over the mm. years, uh, where it's like you subscribe to a service and it's like six bucks a month, and here's a thousand retro games that you you know you can play and you can play them all and and it's always blown up in their faces and and i think some of that is just because of uh, i think it might have been too early i mean i remember mm-hmm. i remember playing um dreamcast games st- streaming dreamcast games on uh, uh in in college 20 years ago so i mean i think it may have been a little early for that but i i, I can see that and and you also run into if you go the Game Pass model, you you can also sidestep a lot of like the preservation aspects of it because because mm-hmm. you can just kind of dump everything into the service and they don't like no one game has to be self sufficient. Yep. So so Mike, I, again, we brought you back on to talk about or brought you on yep. uh, to talk about mm-hmm. retro gaming. Yep. Let's talk about it. Damn it. Let's talk about it. Well, go uh, under your head. Let's go under my head. All right. Uh, going into kind of the the topic I wanted to bring up, uh, we talked about the the hyper capitalist model of free to play systems. I'm going to go on the the total, I guess, anarcho communist side of things uh, and and bring up the the world of emulation. Um, and there's a this is actually like amongst all the retro streamers. There's always the hot topic of original hardware to uh, versus emulation. And there is some people who are very, very against playing in the world of emulation. And I am of the belief that I'm like, oh my God, emulation is like the way to go in the retro market for a multitude of different reasons. So I'm going to start off talking about, I guess, uh, against your Nintendo example, um, because Nintendo... Uh, what they've gotten themselves in, in hot water for lately is all of the all of the stuff that they had in like the DS store and in the Wii store and all that. That stuff is gone now that they have just taken it all away. And unless you had that access to it uh, in the original things like you no longer have the ability to redownload Super Mario 3 or whatever other like older game uh, that you had access to. I know on the switch that you have if you just buy like the base online, you you get access to Nintendo and Super Nintendo. And in the upgraded subscription, you get Genesis and N64. There's talk of Game Boy coming now. The problem with those is it's a very limited library. And half of these games they put in this library are just utter garbage. Like who? Like uh, I'm thinking like there's a game called Immortal that's on the, the NES uh, service. And I didn't even remember that game existing. That's how bad it was. <laughs> like, I tried to pop it in, and I'm like, I I do not care into this game. But, I mean, besides you've got your your, your typical Marios, uh, Zeldas, and uh, your, your mostly your first-party uh, systems on there, it's a really limited scope of things. Um, and... You know, you're 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 very limited to what you can do. And uh, when they started doing the N64 games, there was a a like a multitude of problems that came with the control scheme, because those of you who remember, the N64 was a very interesting controller. Uh, I'm of the belief that it was a 
probably the worst controller that's ever existed. <laughs> but uh, I know that's fighting words for some people. I cannot stand the end, the 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 whole. Yeah, I'm like I don't I don't like that I'm basically holding it on the side to do all, all everything, uh, and I'm holding it different ways depending on the game I'm playing. Uh, I just I couldn't get down with that. But uh, it was just like, like a very limited scope, and I guess to me like that's a great way to get into into retro gaming is using those. But if you really want to get into that world, the the point of entry in in original hardware is is awful nowadays like yes there's a there's a bunch of game stores that still exist the internet is a thing mercari ebay all you know facebook marketplace the problem is is that retro gaming somewhere along the way games 10 years ago that i could have gotten in a dollar bin are costing me more than the game did at the time that it was brand new and like in depending on the system you're playing it on like i recently got a sega saturn um, which was kind of the the the, the long forgotten bastard child of the of the Sega consoles. Um, I love it because it's like uh, it's got a lot of really awesome arcade ports to it, and it just like I think it doesn't get the respect it deserves. But there is games in that system like that you go on on eBay or whatever to buy, and they cost three to four hundred dollars for this one game. The average person isn't gonna spend three to four hundred dollars in a game. Heck, I don't want to spend the fifty bucks it would take to get Pokemon Stadium on the N sixty four right now. Like, and it's you know just because I'm just like, well, it was an all right game, but I don't know if I want to pay like something something stupid like that. Uh, I went into a store the other day and seeing Mario Kart Double Dash for the for the GameCube. They were asking a hundred and forty for that game, and I'm like, God. So it just it's one of those things to me which is like I think until these these companies kind of start to realize that it's like you have this library that, that you own and there's companies getting into the market of game preservation now like I know Sony just opened up a whole a whole division now that's based on game preservation I feel like Nintendo's done a very bad job at promoting their old stuff that people are it like my age at least me and Evan I'm not sure Rob how old you are but uh, like we grew up on the Mario stuff from the beginning. And sometimes I'd rather go play super Mario three than sunshine or, you know, super Mario party or any of that stuff. I feel like they just need to do a better job of opening up the gates and the way that you can have that access to it, you know, is playing in the world of emulation. Now there's a whole bunch of things that you could argue against emulation. Like the, the point of entry of knowledge in, in emulation is, is, kind of stupid um there's a bunch of things where it's like well this system emulates just great this this system doesn't emulate at all and you're like so you mean to tell me i can emulate a dreamcast just fine but i can't emulate atari jaguar to save my life you know there's that frustration level uh to it um but i just think you know from a cost standpoint that whole game preservation and really just having the accessibility to a lot of these games. I mean, I have a MAME cabinet in my basement that I also stream from too. And there is games there that I would be remiss if there is physical cabinets of some of these, these games that still exist. They are just some of these off ball, like weird, uh, games that like, I feel like 500 of them were ever made and four, 490 of them are sitting in a landfill right now. <laughs> so 
it's, it's, it's basically like kind of like my my little argument is that it's like I I think um besides the kind of the knowledge point and, and the kind of having to be patient and read a lot uh i i think it is perfectly fine that that people i guess kind of get into that world of emulation now i'm not going to say one way or another how you obtain said games but uh you know that that's up to you uh, i i don't want i don't want the uh, i don't want anybody coming after me for that uh <laughs> well, and here's the, here's the dumb thing here the dumb the dumb thing on that front is is that like I'm trying to remember what it was, but they were talking about. Uh, oh, it, it was with the 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 Sony uh, PlayStation Plus, like the the three tiers, and and mm-hmm. whether you could emulate PS3s and all this stuff. And you know, it, it is one of those where uh, how many more examples do these companies need? That if you trust the fans, and 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 this is the probably the only time I will ever say trust the internet on anything, um, <laughs> uh, but but if you trust the fans to on on some of this stuff, you you know, fans can figure out how to emulate PS3. Fans can figure out how to mm-hmm. you know, never underestimate the power of single-minded folks with free time, and. I think I think there's ways to emulate the 360 and the PS4 at this point. I'm sure there are. Like, <laughs> I'm sure there are. And I, I see these companies and Nintendo's especially bad, but there's you know, other companies the same way. And and as a as as I get older, becoming again back going back to my roots as more of a PC gamer, we're seeing all of these games from companies that don't exist anymore, or companies that exist in name but are like three mergers separated from. You know mm-hmm. when they originally put out stuff, you know there's the whole abandonware uh, aspect of things where it's like no one knows yep. who owns these games anymore. Like there's there's a fantastic uh, series of first person shooters called um, uh, No One Lives Forever, and they're very much a you know 60s spy vibe kind of a you know not annoying Austin Powersy kind of kind of vibe, and no one literally knows who owns the rights anymore. I had a friend who streamed that and was talking yeah. about it. There's like three different companies that laid claim to it, yeah. but neither of them actually know. Yeah, no, yeah, no <laughs> one knows who owns the rights. And, and so it's like, I understand the Nintendo, or at least they're thinking in the sense of we don't want to, sp- you know, this is not worth the amount of money it's going to cost us to make this available. You know, I don't, I would love to see the numbers on that, honestly, um, but I get the thinking. And I, at the same time, I don't get... I mean, I remember... I'm old enough to remember when the Wii was... Or was it the Wii or was it... Uh, no, yeah, it was the Wii back when we thought it was going to be called the Revolution. The Nintendo Revolution. Yep. And one of the rumors was, is like, okay, every Nintendo game is going to be going to be playable on this going forward. Like, they're going to make every game... Uh, you know, stream. And it wasn't streamable at the time, but it was like you know, it's going to be downloadable and, and all this stuff, and everything's going to work. And and they, they completely you know changed that, and and they're still not a hundred percent. And I know that there's a lot of different aspects to that uh, in terms of legalities and technical things, but it's like I can't imagine. I would love to know. I like I would just once like to hear one of these companies be like, okay, if we did this, it's going to cost us. X amount of money, and this is why we're not doing it. It's like we would lose a million dollars a month or something like that, because because mm-hmm. my 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 instinct is telling me that it wouldn't be that bad. 
if they if they honestly would lose money and i don't even think that's a guarantee because you know it's like yeah i'm sure you know i I, i've got the i've got the switch signed up or the the online service and and i will play those nintendo games and, and super nintendo games on occasion but i'm not i'm not stressing anyone's system with those games no and so it's like yeah I can see, you know, if you made a thousand games available, that that's gonna be there's gonna be an upfront cost. But it's like, I don't, most of those games are not gonna be played, <laughs> you know, or or they're gonna yeah. be played by you know a couple dozen people. And on the flip side, you might get a game that becomes weirdly successful and you know bring back you know Kung Fu Heroes from the Nintendo era, or you know you know mm-hmm. so, like pick random game. It's like, oh, maybe we can do something with this, and. Yeah, to me, it's it's more it's almost like you're you're giving up free market research because especially because the market's doing so many of these remasters and 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 all that. It's like if you if 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 you could go back and say, okay, well, we offered this, you know, sixty four game. You know, not not you know. I'm just trying to think of like a good sixty four game that was big. There's a bunch of different examples you could bring up, like your Perfect Dark. Perfect, exactly. You know, we'll take that exactly. One. Yeah. It's like if if that suddenly took off. You've already built. You've you've gotten an audience built. Like there's so, I feel like there's so many of these companies that are, they don't get how marketing happens now in video games, mm-hmm. and and it's like you get a you get a couple hundred streamers playing old school Perfect Dark, and you're you can build an audience with that, and I and I I I think that a lot of these companies are. Uh, um, missing the boat on this because they're scared. Yeah, they're I mean, scared. And, and there's 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 weird markets for everything out there. I uh, so you know in the world of, of of retro streaming, you come across some some interesting stuff, and, and I've come across a whole uh, group of people who still play Ultima online, and they stream it. And I was like, I didn't know that game existed still. <laughs> Never but die. that's the kind of stuff to your mm-hmm. to your point that just like you know people people would are into that they're, they're still gonna play that what, what's what's that meme i'm jokes on you i'm into that shit like that's pretty much yeah exactly right. yeah <laughs> all right well again there's so many rabbit holes this is it's it's looking like uh mm-hmm. mr mcgregor's farm right now and how's that for a reference everyone um but we, we could be going for many more hours, but we're going to wrap this up here. Mike, you mentioned streaming and things like that. You want to talk about yep. your channel and, and all that real quick? Yeah, uh, I am um, on at Twitch TV uh, slash this is Mike D. Um, D is in dog. And uh, yeah, I, uh, my schedule right now is, is Wednesday and Sunday nights. Uh, Wednesday nights, I do different arcade games. It's usually voted on by by a community. And Sundays, we do different PC or console games. Um, I've been doing a playthrough of Grim Fandango. We actually have a, a my first Twitch plays coming up, where uh, not this Sunday, but uh, May eighth, we are going to be doing a Twitch plays the Oregon Trail, the original one, in which basically the whole chat makes all the decisions through games of Oregon Trail. <laughs> You're not going to let them decide, like, the epitaphs or anything like that. Oh, I will. <laughs> All right. This so, is so what gets t- me deplatformed. I was going to say, gonna say that. So, so, so tune in for May 9th when, when Mike is kicked off of Twitch. 
Um, Rob, what about you? What do you got coming up? We mentioned that you are the one of the newest mega dads, uh, and so you theoretically you're going to be doing features and things like that for the site. Yeah, for the most part. Um, so one of the projects I'm starting to work on is um, basically a wish list for upcoming um, games for console PC. So um, there's like a list of games I want to kind of that I'm interested in personally that I I have a wish list for because we don't know too much on the games, but like. There are some things I really would like to see, like God of War, etc. The new Spider-Man that's going to be coming out soon. So, yeah, I would like to kind of discuss like what I would like to see in the games and kind of how they can grow off the previous games or the prequels. You know, you know, what would be the killer feature for the new God of War game? They sent me a PS5. I still don't believe they exist. You know, <laughs> I'm just saying. I worked so hard for my PS5. <laughs> I'm just saying. I feel like I need to ask for it every episode, so. Uh, <laughs> that's fair. <Yeah. laughs> like I, I, I've tried to, I've tried to like wake up at two a.m. multiple times to try to score one, and uh, I, like, I, I'm just convinced they're not real. It's <laughs> a fair assessment. <laughs> but yeah, in, in, in typical American fashion, I will complain about not having one, and I will ask for for it. But that is the literal limit of the amount of work I'm willing to put into actually getting one. Meanwhile, there's me tweeting at, at Ham's Beer every day to to be my Twitch sponsor, and I I'm gonna will it into existence. Wow. That's my beer right there. <laughs> well, you can find all of Rob's upcoming stuff at Megadads.org, and again, you can find Mike's stream at This Is Mike D on Twitch. We'll have links to all that in the show notes, of course. And uh, I, I guess, I mean, like I said, we, we could go on for much longer about all of these things. Um, so I guess we'll just have to have both of you back at some point, if that's okay. Please, all right. All right. Fun. Sounds good. I'm Sounds not asking good. you. I'm asking. The, I'm asking the listeners. I know. I know you guys. I know you guys will come back because. Oh, that's fair. I'm about to say, like, I, I, I miss, I miss talking about video games with you. So. <laughs> yeah. No. It, it, it's up to the listeners, man. I. I Despite everything that I say, I actually do listen to the listeners. So, so, so let us know. And if if you think Mike is 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 bad and you sh- and he shouldn't be allowed on the internet, um, <laughs> go onto his Twitch and have him and and have him name all of his characters after clan members. God. I think that that's that's that'd be a good oh way to. Okay, okay. I don't actually within, know any clan member reason, names. Within reason. <laughs> I I know I know one clan member name, and that's only because I. I did film studies, so I've seen Birth of a Nation, but beyond that, I know nothing. So, oh, those keyboard so, warriors, man, they get who knows? you. Who knows? You'll have to tune in on May eighth to see how we're gonna get my Twitch. Off Twitch. <laughs> yep, and maybe off the whole internet if we really do our job. Yeah, you know, it's it's possible. <laughs> it's possible. Well, thank you guys at both for coming on. I don't know why, but you do, and I thank you for that. Megadads Checkpoint is powered by Pants and part of Megadads.org, which is like a streaming site with words instead of people. That's why we remember games, uh, like, now I'm drawing a blank on it, but the one where it was, like, 